One, two, three. This is the Cider Ranch Podcast. I'm Ben. And I'm Mike. All right, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Side of Ranch Podcast. My name is Mike. And I'm Ben. And today we are absolutely pleased to be joined by someone who is a inspiration to a lot of people, including myself, uh, somebody who has done some absolutely amazing things in the running community, is an American ultra marathon runner, probably one of the most famous, if not the most famous one today. Um, and as noted by a YouTube comment on Joe Rogan's podcast with her, she is noted to be the nicest badass I've ever seen. I'd like to welcome Courtney DeWalter to the Side of Ranch pod- podcast. Courtney, welcome to the show. Thank you. Nice to meet you guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you too. So, so, so how are things going with you with, uh, with COVID and everything? Like, how is, this, how is this affecting your life and your training and everything? What a year. I mean, if I think back to March... It feels like 10 years ago at this point, but um, the lucky part was that in Colorado where I live and train, they never shut down our access to the trails or the outdoors. They in fact encouraged us to get outside and move. So the sport I do is running and uh, it was a very easy sport to keep doing during a pandemic like this. It's actually the perfect sport to be doing. So um, it's been, yeah, a great year for training and a great year for exploring local trails, which was pretty fun. That's awesome. Is it, is it mainly, um, is all your training done outside or is it, do you do a lot of um, cross training indoors as well? Or is it mainly um, just basically out? Yeah, mainly it's outside on trails or um, I'll run roads sometimes too. I do some really basic gym stuff every day. And so um, I, don't have a gym, but like a yoga mat and some dumbbells works fine for that. <laughs> and, uh, nice. <laughs> and then um, I'll bike or I'll cross country ski, but really my love is for the outdoors. And so if I'm cross training, I try to do that outside as well. Cool. I think that kind of, that kind of goes into it as well. Like how did you get started um, in running? Cause I know I've been watching a lot of your videos over the years and I've, I've watched, um, um your episode with joe rogan and i find like yourself and david goggins um i'm I'm sure you know david but like you guys are so similar but yet so different in your motivation and your inspiration and i'm just wondering like where you started um like how you got that drive and like what made you start uh with ultra marathon running it's uh i grew up playing tons of sports so it was just an active family and active lifestyle in general and then got into cross-country running and cross-country skiing through middle school and high school, which are both, you know, endurance-based, you're racing by yourself, but you're training with a team sort of uh, sports. And then after that, um, I guess after college, I just wanted something to train for. So I tried a few road marathons, which made me wonder how, what else could we do? You know, what else could we survive if we try? And so it, led me to the ultra running world, which um, is anything over a marathon. So my first ultra was a 50K, which is 31 miles. Um, 
And I just hope to make it to the finish line still breathing. I was like, I hope I survive this thing. And that was my first couple of years of ultra running. We're just surviving. But every time I survived one and made it to the finish line, I just wondered what's the next distance that I could try and see if I could make it to that finish line. And since then, it's just been this kind of snowball, I guess, of a game where I'm just shocked by what our bodies and brains are capable of all yep. the time. And I want to keep exploring that. And, and that's like, and that's, that's like my niche. Cause I, like, I, I'm a, I'm a psych student at heart and I just, I, I love like learning what, what, of what the body can be pushed to. And so like, I actually, you were mentioning your, your like high school and how you started in cross country. And in one of your videos, you, you bring up the notion of like a, like a pain cave and you talk about how like, you know, Back in the day, I guess um, a coach named Randy Gibbs was able to push you and your fellow athletes to kind of your your limits, um, and, and you kind of talk about how you know and competing in like Alaska, like with like like duct tape and things like that. Like, did you did you engage in, in in things like that? And if so, like how did that how did that impact your training? Yeah, I loved it. I was really fortunate to have uh, Randy as a coach through high school and be surrounded by teammates who we were all really driven, but we also loved having a good time together and so it was this awesome balance of like this coach who you know taught us to find every last drop of energy we had every time we were racing and then this team that was just like all about going to that place where it hurts really bad but then you know kicking back and laughing harder than we've ever laughed about it so Mm. it was uh it built this great passion for Um, the whole thing, you know, the whole process of training, the whole process of racing and leaving everything out there, and then of, you know, celebrating and enjoying it. It was all instilled from that very, like, from a young age with that coach, which was really cool. That, that's insane. So, so for the, so like, so for like people that don't know, I guess, like for, to like, to explain like a pain cave. So is that like, is that you being able to like, kind of go to, like just some part of your mind where like you you kind of know and are preparing yourself for what you're going to be going through and then just pushing through it or like is it something is it like knowing that you're going to be going through like can you kind of explain it a bit yeah so for me the pain cave is um it happens when i'm racing and uh it's when i get to that point where it feels like you just can't give anymore like you're done and then you dial it up a few more notches and go into the pain cave with those notches dialed up. But you're inviting it. You're inviting that in. Yeah, yeah. You go into it um, and you're digging in farther than, than you guessed you could. And that's when it can be pretty special. Like that's when you find out, you know, what's really possible is if you're pushing past the thing that feels comfortable. That's super cool. That's- Do you think a lot of people in their lives if, if they're pushing their their limits with endurance sport or just in any type of sport in general do you think people uh in general will reach that level of pain cave or is that something that you have to be just a special type of person to reach i don't think you need to be a special type of person but i think humans in general choose uh to set their bar of expectations for themselves yeah. at a level that they know they can reach mm-hmm. and Um, The pain cave, I think, requires that your expectation of yourself is past that so that you're pushing into something that's a little bit unknown of like, how is this going to go? What's it going to feel like if I keep the gas pedal down right now, even though it feels like 
it's impossible to do that. Um, so it's, I don't think you have to be special, but I don't think it's like the norm for how humans choose to function. <laughs> yeah. It's really interesting because we interviewed another another triathloner, um, a Canadian guy from Manitoba, and it was kind of very similar to to you. I feel like you guys kind of have this kind of, I guess there must be something in the triathlon or, or in the marathon community where kind of like pushing past that it's almost like you guys are almost like a glutton for punishment like you kind of you what you guys crave that because if you're not if you know if you're not approaching you know the threshold of your pain cave or that you you know that you haven't given it your all kind of thing right so and past that is going to be your you know your pbs and things like that so that i think that's so cool yeah it's for sure i mean the community is so unique and all amazing people but for sure it takes a um like a little bit of crazy to sign up for a hundred yeah. mile race with your feet or a <laughs> yeah. 200 mile race with your feet. Like that's, that's insane sounding, but that's what makes it so fun. Yeah. And, and that's, <laughs> that's insane to me. Like, okay. So what kind of walk us through. So in, was it in 2017 that you did the first, your first Moab? Was it? That's the Moab? correct. Yeah. That and was my first 200 mile race. So what, like what possessed you to do that and also how did you feel at the end of it when you were when you attempted that it's kind of so it, it, I was possessed to do it because it's part of this snowball that's been happening for me my entire time with ultra marathons of finish a distance wonder what the next one is that I could make it to the finish line of and so I you know moved up through the 50k all the way up to 100 miles I did um, you know, hundred mile races for a few years and the whole time trying to, you know, figure it out a little bit better and like make it. So I felt more confident to get to that finish line. And then yeah. it was like, okay, now we need to level up and see what the next distance is like. And there aren't that many options between a hundred miles and 200 miles. So <laughs> it was, yeah. the snowball got pretty big then, <laughs> but, uh, it felt amazing to finish. I, I got to share it with my husband and some friends who gave up their week to be out there helping me. And um, it was just so cool to be like, life was so simple when all you're doing is trying to keep running forward and eating and taking care of your body as best you can. Like that was my only job for three days in the desert. And that was pretty special. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's insane. Um, sorry, can you still hear us? I don't know if we're kind of wonky, but can you hear us still? Or I can hear you. Okay, good. Um, I was going to say for the next one, um, for, in terms of, I think we might've lost Mikey for, for a tiny bit, but we'll, we'll keep okay. going. Um, oh, looks like we've lost them, but we'll, we'll, we'll keep going. Um, in terms of, cause I was looking into something too, for, in terms of just like the, the, the amount of energy expended, like during the ultras, we like we know like you know i've just been researching for the past couple of months like just the the significant kind of detrimental impacts it has on the body during it so during i guess have you ever competed in the hellgate one no i haven't okay so in in the in the hellgate one apparently um it's it's called the it's called the hellgate 100k um oh there he's back um it's sorry guys. <laughs> hellgate 100k um and it's quote unquote so during the hellgate 100k runners report losing 
most of their vision by the end of the race and they call it hellgate eyes so but no <laughs> amount of like protection or prep work can prevent one symptom which i've seen all over the internet and that's sleepiness now when you were on the joe rogan podcast you mentioned that during one of your ultras you were falling asleep while you were running and then you had literally and i thought that i'm like no she's gotta be bullshitting but like you said you literally <laughs> had a one minute nap <laughs> and then after that, you said, and after that you said you were more alert than you've ever been so how do like how, how does that work like did you actually sleep for one minute yeah well, 60 seconds of sleep on the dirt just in my like I had my running pack on I you know I didn't change anything I just face planted into the dirt basically and fell asleep right away slept for one minute my pacer who was with me woke me up and oh. I thought he had let me sleep for hours I mean, I was like, dude, this is a race. We can't, we can't be wasting time like that. And he's like, no, that was one minute. Now let's go. Like, and then it was, yeah, it was so cool. It's so strange though. So are you a psych student or major? Yeah, so I, yeah I, have, I have my badges in psych and um, yeah, um, I just, I, I, these things that just kind of just like, it's, it's such a massive part for me to like, to experience like you saying this type of stuff because like that to me is like the epitome of, of like if you you know if you know people didn't know that you had done that you know and that was in a movie people would be like oh no that's that that couldn't happen <laughs> like how does that so how does that work because then you you mentioned that you felt like more alert than you had been the entire race so why how come do you know like the science mind like why one minute like no worked or no. like I don't I don't know anything really except that that was magic it was like a full reset for my body and brain where I woke up fully mentally alert. Suddenly I wasn't sleepy anymore and yeah. I felt physically recharged and ready to run again. Um, after many hours of struggle, like yeah. I had been in this zombie mode for a while, but I did a 200 mile race the following year. So in 2018, and I tried to like do the same one minute recharge and I couldn't quite replicate it. So it's not automatic for sure. And uh, yeah. I don't know what all the factors are that have to make it work like it did. I, but at that next 200, I tried a one minute nap. I was trying two minutes, three minutes, like nothing. I wasn't able to fall asleep, even though I was so tired that I was yeah. falling asleep yeah. while I was running. So I haven't figured the sleep game out quite yeah. yet, but I'm very yeah. intrigued by it. I, I know. Sorry. Sorry, Mike. I was just going to say one more thing. I, I know no, you're good. there's... Um, uh, like I did my research one thing because I was doing I was doing like keto for a bit just like a couple months ago and I was researching researching something about like sleep cycles, and it was basically saying one of the one of the impacts was saying like I think that um no it wasn't talking about one minute but it was saying like if you you know if you're if you're like if you're like crashing or whatever through or you're trying to study for like a an exam the next day and you're like you know you're you're crunching or whatever they say like that if you can at least get like if you're not gonna sleep at all they say if you can at least take a cat nap i think of i believe the number is like 40 minutes i think they say okay. if you're gonna do at least 40 minutes or something like that then that's like the best optimal i guess for your brain to like soak in the information anything more than that they say like it's actually gonna be kind of detrimental and you might as well just like have an actual sleep kind of thing okay. so but like again the one minute thing to me is just insane and you actually but like thinking man like you you made me sleep for hours like yeah that's that's incredible <laughs> that's insane okay. I, I can't like, wait to try it again <laughs> yeah i'm sure i'm sure <laughs> i'm like, going when, to all fall asleep for hours <laughs> yeah yeah so like 
so the Moab, like you finish it in under 58 hours in 2017 and you, you didn't just finish it. You won the whole thing, right? That's correct. Yeah. So, and then when it comes down to sleeping, like you're saying that you're sleeping for one minute periodically here and there over that entire race, how much sleep do you think you got? Like in terms of hours? So during that race, um, I didn't, I didn't know about the one minute nap yet. So during the Moab 240, right. I slept 20 minutes <laughs> earlier in, um, like it was intentional. We had a, the car at an aid station. I got in there, I got in a sleeping bag and I thought it was going to be this, you know, magic 20 minutes to recharge me. But I just laid there. Like I was so uncomfortable. My legs were throbbing. So I didn't yeah. actually really sleep those 20 minutes, but I tried, I rested. And wow. then it was the one minute nap. Um, really probably only 10 miles later that I took the one minute nap. And that was my total sleep for the race. So 21, 21 minutes. minutes, 21 minutes for that, for, for a 240 mile race. Yeah. Yeah. That, and, and I don't know like if our, and I, and I'm sure you get this all the time. And I, I know you got it on, on Joe Rogan too, but just to put that into perspective, like 240 miles is a long, long distance. <laughs> so like, just to talk, far. like, like for me to just be like, oh yeah, so you did two, a 240 mile race. That sounds so incredibly casual. And how, so how do you, like, how do you explain that to people? Like, do you have a way of like, like, cause I'm sure you get a lot of people that go, how the heck do you do that? Uh, you do it the same way you would do 2.4 miles or 24 miles. You um, just keep moving forward as best you can in that moment. So, you know, riding over the speed bumps along the way, whatever those are that come up, but your whole goal is just to keep forward motion happening. Yeah. But yeah, now, I don't like, people are always like, I don't like driving that far. And I'm like, I don't like <laughs> driving that far either. Like I would much rather run it. <laughs> <laughs> so you you would say running is your preferred method of, of transportation oh for you, sure yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's awesome well i mean like i mean you're saving a lot of money on gas like yeah. i guess that that's one way to look at it so um i was gonna ask you too like you did mention and i know i'm going back to when you were on joe rogan but it did it did spark a lot of interest for me and kind of going back to that same race i believe it was the moab 240 you were talking about hallucinating as well is that yeah. something that you experienced like because I, I remember there was one specific anecdote you were saying it was about you were what I forget exactly what you were saying but you were like somebody was playing a musical instrument or something yeah so at I do hallucinate during these really long races so yeah. um, if it's a hundred miles plus odds are I'm going to hallucinate and usually it's some sort of characters in the woods like <laughs> Uh, pretty distinct where I'm the first times it was happening I thought they were real and yeah. it was like my first hallucinations were these giraffes right along the trail but I was in the <laughs> mountains of Colorado so yeah. it made no sense to me why there were giraffes out there oh and I remember God. just staring at them like why are you here <laughs> but wow. over the course of doing these races I've like now I realize it's a hallucination always. Um, so yeah. I just try and notice them, you know, and like take in as many details as I can and then tuck it away in my brain so I can tell my friends at the end. Yeah. Um, and at Moab, it was a guy playing a cello and 
a leopard in a hammock were the two main ones. Uh, I just did a race recently where the hallucination was Mickey Mouse on a circus stage, like tossing t-shirts out to the crowd. What? (laughs) (laughs) I have no idea. I don't know where these come from, but I'm so thankful they're always friendly. Like, I'm I'm glad (laughs) it's, it's not like some you know, murder scene that I'm hallucinating <laughs> out there because that would be scary. Be is, it, is it only like during like the night portions of your run or is it during the day as well? Pretty much 100% during the night. I have yeah. had a few during the daytime, but usually that's like on day two or three of an effort. Yeah. Yeah. Is that is that like just due to lack of sleep or is that is that just pushing your body to its limits or is it like a combination of everything or is it just like totally... No, I guess it's just up in the air. Yeah, I've never talked to an expert about it. Um, So Ben, maybe you have some insight, but it was. uh... (laughs) I don't know. I think I think I think you're both right. I think I think it comes down to probably like I think at that time you're like your brain and that is not getting everything that that it needs to get in terms of that. I don't know like the physiochemical processes, but I would think that during that time, our I mean I know that you know from 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 the basis of psychology that our, our brain will fill in gaps that we that that aren't there and so our brain will kind of come in and you know create things that you know to fill in spaces that might not have something and then you know whatever you might have been exposed to you during that week or watching something on tv or something you know it just kind of pops in there yeah but yeah that'd be but seeing mickey mouse at night that would be kind of i'd be freaking out of that that'd be well i was like why didn't you throw me a (laughs) (laughs) t-shirt but it is for sure when i'm more tired so like sometimes yeah. races will start at night and so you're really fresh and alert. And then that first night I won't have any hallucinations. Yeah. Um, it's only if it gets into where I'm just physically really fatigued and also mentally tired. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's crazy too, because like when we were just talking about like, like the, the, the one minute nap thing and the notion of that, but like actually like falling asleep while running. So like, it's, it's such a, it seems so, it seems so like, not, not ironic, but whatever that word, whatever the word is like, it seems like it doesn't make sense, but like to, to actually still be running, like you said, the whole idea about like actually moving forward, like trying to push yourself forward, but still falling asleep at the same time. Like that must be such an odd, like, can you describe, apart from being tired, like, can you describe what that, like that feeling is? Cause it's almost like, it's almost a, a bit of both really. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're, in this zone where your job is to keep moving forward. And so that's like what your body is doing for you. But then yeah. your, your brain and your eyes then are following like how tired you are. And so, um, yeah, I'll just be like totally flopping over my head while I'm running when I get that tired. Yeah. And oftentimes it's on trails. And so then it becomes a problem because there's a lot of obstacles that your feet run into when you're yeah. not watching for them. So I did trip when I was uh, sleep running at the Tahoe 200, I tripped oh. and landed on the ground right on a stick that then was sticking oh. straight out of my hand. Oh my God. <laughs> we so, so, it out. So, oh, so you actually pulled it right out? Like you? We did, yeah. I was with oh. a pacer and we were like, well, I guess we just yank it out. And luckily it wasn't like huge. So it didn't like create a huge hole, but we yeah. taped it at the next aid station and it was fine to keep going with. That's insane. <laughs> it's oh not ideal. <laughs> no, it doesn't sound like it. 
if we uh, if we kind of switch gears just a, a tiny bit, like you've said that you said that like after like a massive run, nothing tastes better than like a nice cold beer and mm. the pizza or a cheeseburger. I couldn't remember what you said. I think it was pizza. Nachos. No, sorry, nachos. nachos. That was nachos. that was a good setup, Dan. I like that. Yeah. Um, are there like, <laughs> any other are there any other treats or things that you like to do? to reward yourself and, and decompress after a race like other than that like anything specific that you do no and I don't even like call them rewards for myself I like beer and nachos all the time so whether I'm doing a race or not yeah. but when you've been out there for a really long time a cold beer right at the finish line yeah. tastes oh. so good um tastes way better. but after a race I'll do I'll take some days off of running and usually I'll go for walks then instead to just get the blood moving and to get outside to get some air. Um, And then I'll just go back into training whenever I feel ready for it again. You you were saying that um, like you take a couple days off after like a run usually, is it just usually a couple days or depending on how long it is, could it be longer? Yeah, it depends on the race, I guess. Um, And it depends on like how toast my legs got during it. So, um, Some races, like if there's a ton of climbing and descending, your legs just get hammered from all of those pounding miles. And then it maybe, you know, takes a little bit longer for your quads to feel more normal again. After a 200 mile race, maybe I'll take like five to seven days off of running based on just how it's feeling. So I try not to rush back into training ever um, to Mm -hmm. make sure it stays fun and stays like fresh. What Oh, sorry. Ben, oh, sorry. I was going to say one quick thing. Uh, what what typically is is takes either longer to to kind of recover from or heal from? Like, is it terms of like is it typically the leg muscles or because I remember you were saying in, like in lots of interviews that your feet just will kill you for 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 days after. It depends. I've I've had races where I finish them and a few days later my legs feel fantastic, but like my lungs just feel like more tired and overused. You know, like that was a lot of breathing that you just did so give us a break for a minute yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um or even my head it'll just be like i need more mental rest right now and so running is not what i need to do so it yeah. varies a lot based on the race and how it all played out okay yeah after after like um like five to seven days um of recovery and just like taking it easy and going for walks like you were saying is it mainly just like do you jump right back into training or is it like do you usually have a plan you you do or is it like a slow progression or do you just hop right back into it i don't have a plan ever um but cool if i'm getting (laughs) getting (laughs) back into training then i'll do like a slow build back into mileage so if my yeah you know, the normal mileage that I hit per week is somewhere between 100 and 115, then maybe those first weeks building back in are more like 40, 50, 60, and just like getting my feet and legs back going again. Yeah. So you're saying that you have, uh, you've never followed a program or a plan like while getting ready for any like races or anything? Yeah. Ever since college, I have not had a coach at all. So um, it's been just me and you know my husband and friends like figuring things out as we go yeah. and and uh, having fun with that. That's amazing. Um, I was I was going to ask you because um, there was a there's a YouTube video out there by uh, Solomon TV and it's you and your husband and he's running the Bear 100 
Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I thought it was cool because like speaking of like um, plans and uh, not having like a preparation or anything, what was it like? Cause I, I'm sure you, you've been in this position before, but what was it like being a pacer and, and, and just being uh, from a different perspective of the race and not actually like racing it? Yeah, it was so fun. It was cool. Yeah. Um, it's cool because when we met my husband and I, he didn't run at all. he didn't really like running like five miles was his maximum run distance and it wasn't usually because he loved it he was like yeah. I should do this um, yeah. and over the years like both of us have just gotten more and more attached to this sport and the community around it and all of the pieces that go with ultra running and so yeah uh, he fell in love with it and then started wondering you know what he could do if he trained and worked his way up to being able to do this hundred mile race which was really cool to then be able to pace him and crew him and you know help him achieve this thing that he was working towards that's amazing that's gotta that's gotta feel so good from your point of view too like just to see that and and to kind of go through that and and to just like experience it it's different but it's got to be so rewarding too oh for sure i mean it feels just as rewarding like when you have a crew helping you do one of these races like everyone is so invested in getting that person to the finish line and yeah. it's their legs and it's their body that has to do the whole distance. But like, there's yeah. all these team members that make it this effort, you know, of, of the whole group to get you there. That's amazing. Like, like someone to give you food, someone to give you water, electrolytes, someone yeah. to push you, someone Tell to be you there. a bad joke. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you, I'm sure you probably need to hear a few bad jokes while you're doing a, a 58 hour race. Yeah. <laughs> Always. Even if you're only laughing on the inside. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I'm sure that happens a lot too. <laughs> amazing. That's incredible. What, um, what, if there, if there is one that kind of stands out, which, which I mean, I know you've done tons, but like, it, and I know that you got like multiple accolades, but is, is there, is there one specifically that stands out for you? A, a one that stands out for you in terms of what it just means to you or one that you just enjoy the most in terms of, I mean, if you do it, if you can enjoy, like I'm taking away the pain cave aside. <laughs> the pain cave's enjoyable. So that's, yeah. Yeah. that's part of it. Um, no, I mean, they've all been so fantastic and there's so many memories attached to all of the races that I've done that it'd be impossible to choose. Yeah. I think, uh, one that was definitely like, it shaped a lot of my ultra running is the first hundred mile race that I attempted and I dropped out at mile 60. So I didn't make it to the finish line of it. Basically, I talked myself into this whirlpool of negativity where I was like, you can't finish hundred miles. There's no way that you'll get there and then dropped out because I had like overwhelmed myself with these thoughts. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think that one stands out for me always because it helped me understand how important our brains are in ultra running and in a lot of things really where how you approach something and your attitude about it shapes the outcome in a huge way. And so I'm 100%. really, now I'm really thankful that I had that experience and dropped out and like that helped me understand this piece a little bit better. Mm -hmm. With it. I mean, with, with like the amount, I know and that's, that's incredible. Like it's, it's so much, it, it, it is so much obviously physical because you need to be, you need the capacity and to be in good shape and, and you need to have everything down to be able to do it physically. But like you said, like 
you know, if you don't have that mental wherewithal, you're, you're not going to get very far. Right. So um, with that being said, like, you know, with the amount of athletes that you've, you've got, is there something specific now that you're, that you're shooting for next or a personal best or like, what are your, what are your next goals? Uh, to keep letting the snowball grow and yeah. keep exploring these really far distances. I'm intrigued by anything that's over a hundred miles right now is like, how, <laughs> how can we do that? efficiently like what are all the pieces how can we get them right on race day that's all a really fun puzzle that i'm playing with yeah that's amazing i think that's so cool too because like like you were saying earlier you don't have you don't go into it with like a like a a specific plan like obviously i'm sure on like your racing days like you have a bit of a plan in terms of like how you're gonna like get food and stuff and i'm sure that kind of plays into it a little bit but in terms of in general it just seems like you're doing it because you love doing it. And I think that's really cool. Yeah. I feel really lucky that this is what I'm doing right now as a, yeah. as a job. That's amazing. Cool. Um, I think, I think Courtney, thank you so much for doing this. I really, yeah. we really appreciate it. Well, thank um, you guys so much. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and um, yeah, like I'm, we have, like, I'm sure there's, um, there's so many other things that we'd love to ch- chat with you about, but um, I'm sure hopefully we'll get that opportunity. I mean, it is COVID, right? Like we'll probably be, we'll probably talk again in the future. Like, let's be real. Like everyone's as as just that, on zoom all the time. Yeah. That's like us too. Like we're, it's so weird. Cause we, when we usually do our podcasts, it's together and, and uh, with new restrictions and everything, they're shutting everything down again. Yeah. And we're looking at it from like the positive perspective of, we have this opportunity to be able to talk to pretty cool people and, like yeah. yourself and our podcast is all about talking to interesting people and having these interesting conversations. And you're someone that we find really interesting and, and we're actually really um, like honored to have you on today. So I just want to thank you again for, for joining us. Well, thank you guys. Keep cool. staying safe over there. Yeah, we're trying. How's that? How is it there in uh, cause you're in Denver, right? Yep. Yeah. How is, how's Denver going? It's fine. I think it's like a lot of places right now where they're kind of, uh, reinstating rules and uh, shutting things down a little bit more because our cases were picking back up, but yeah, hopefully we can get a handle on it. That's awesome. I hope so too. Same with us. Like if, if everything goes well, we'll be back on our feet pretty soon. We'll be hanging out with everybody again. It'll be kind of nice. nice. So yeah, that'll be fun. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Courtney. And, yep. and thanks again to all of you uh, pizza crusts and chicken tenders out there. Once again, that that was another episode of the Side of Ranch podcast. I'm Mike. And I'm Ben. And have a wonderful day, everybody. Thanks again to all of you crusts and tendies for tuning in to another episode of the Side of Ranch podcast. If you want to reach us on our socials, you can on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and everywhere else you listen to podcasts. And you can leave us a voice message on Anchor. This helps us to chat directly with you guys and to continue to build a supportive community. Thanks again for dipping into a side of ranch. I'm Mike. And I'm Ben.